This is the Black and Blue Report, straight from the source. No appointment radio, wherever, whenever. Now, from Studio B, or from wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Daniel Sellerson. What's going on? Welcome into the Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. I'm Daniel Salerson in for Sean Kelly here from Studio B. Hope all is well on this Tuesday. Beautiful day in the Big Easy. It's a game day for the Pelicans as they are in Philadelphia. Game number two of this three-game East Coast trip as they take on the 76ers tonight. 6 o'clock Central tip, 5.30 for all the pregame shows on Fox Sports New Orleans. And all the Pelicans warm-up for you on 99.5 WRNO. I think everyone in Philadelphia right now is trying to recover after last night's national championship game. What a game it was. I hope everyone that is a college basketball fan or sports fan in general is able to watch the ending there of Villanova, North Carolina. Carolina ties it up with a three with 4.7 seconds left, and a lot of people thought we're heading to overtime, but Villanova said not so fast, and the game-winning three by Jenkins at the buzzer. Unbelievable 77-74 Villanova is your national champions. And I think Dante Cunningham, Pelicans forward, is very happy as he was on Villanova's last Final Four team in 09. And how fitting is it that Dante and the Pelicans are in Philadelphia right now, so Dante was able to watch it today or last night with some of his Villanova uh, buddies. Um, We'll hopefully get to check in with him uh, later on today at shoot-around and hear from him about last night's wild finish. We'll also talk to Jim Eichenhofer about it because he was – Obviously, in Philadelphia yesterday on their off day, and he was kind of able to enjoy the experience as well. And again, what a finish. Probably one of the best finishes of all time as far as a national championship is concerned. Uh, You may have a different opinion, but man, what an ending last night in Houston as the Villanova Wildcats are your champions. So now everyone's bracket's over, busted. If you won, congratulations. Uh, If not, well, maybe next year, as they say. But uh, now we focus on some NBA basketball here at the playoff push for most teams. Unfortunately, the Pelicans and Sixers tonight, uh, neither team in the uh, playoff race as the Pelicans look for another win on this road trip. And uh, we'll hope to finish it off with a winning note tomorrow against the Celtics. We have a good show for you on this Tuesday. We have a little football and basketball for you. Of course, Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com will join me as he always does on a Tuesday. Plus, we'll uh, catch up with Mike New, former Saints quarterback coach for the last two seasons, and then he took the Ball State job in January. So we'll catch up with the new head coach of Ball, the Ball State Cardinals as they're in the middle of spring football right now. Kind of check and see how he's doing and hear from him on this Tuesday. All right, so we'll have Mike New in just a little bit. But up next, Jim offer from Pelicans.com. Stay with us. You're listening to the Black and Blue Report. How much do you want to lose this year? 5, 10, 15 pounds? It's time to set your goal and go for it with the Smoothie King Change a Meal Challenge. Just change one meal a day with one of 20 delicious meal replacement smoothies, all under 400 calories per 20-ounce serving, and see how much you can lose. With flavors like pineapple mango, almond mocha, and more, it's easier than ever to reach for your goals. Take the Change a Meal Challenge, only at Smoothie King. Smoothies with a purpose. Weight loss is based on a low-calorie diet and exercise program. Consult your physician before beginning any diet program. Create fun and affordable memories for the entire family with the Pierre's Party Pack. Ticket packages are available for select Pelicans home games throughout the season and include three or more tickets, combo meals, and an on-court free throw experience with Pierre the Pelican, all for as low as $48. Pelicans! 
The next Pierre's Party Pack Night is on Saturday, April 9th against the Phoenix Suns. For more information and to plan your next night out with the gang, visit pelicans.com today. New Orleans 2016. One night. One band. New Orleans, they're back. Guns and Roses, live for one night only. July 31st, Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Pre-sale for City Card members now through Thursday at 10 p.m. Public on sale this Friday at 10 a.m. Buy tickets at LiveNation.com. We're talking Pelicans basketball on the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the show. As promised, Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com, as we always do on a Tuesday. And uh, I know we talked to Jim a lot on the road, but, man, after yesterday in Philadelphia, uh, this is a whole new ball game with Jim Eichenhofer here today. As uh, as a Phillies fan, uh, Jim got to catch some opening day yesterday. And, of course, with Villanova yesterday, Jim was uh, partying all night. It's from what I heard. That was reports from TMZ, so I'm going to go from that. And now Jim, after 30 minutes of sleep, joins us today here on the Black and Blue Report. <laughs> Hello, Jim. Daniel, what an intro. I love it. You were I out. Slept more than 30, that... I, slept, I slept two or three hours. You, you, you cheated me out of a, a little bit of the sleep. No, I had. I was asleep by 12 or so, so it Man. wasn't too bad. How many cheesesteaks have you had since you've been there? Uh, actually, zero. Oh. Um, you at least have to say so one. Times that, yeah, I... I figured I would be honest about that. Um, no, I uh, I've been here so many times. I used to come here all every year with my brother to Phillies games or Phillies series. So the the cheesesteak thing doesn't really excite me too much anymore, just because I've been here so many times. But I know that some of the people that traveled with us um, made sure they got their cheesesteak because they love doing that when they come to Philly. But it's just it doesn't really do anything for me anymore. Sorry. I've, I'm kind of I'm kind of a jaded Philadelphia visitor at this point. That's okay. You don't go for the cliche. Go get a cheesesteak. You know, you kind of do your own thing. <laughs> you know, you leave. Yeah, I hear you. Well, you know, that's what you do, Jim. Right. Uh, it's you know, it's just like anything else. If if you went to Syracuse or upstate New York, and there was some something that people do all the time there, tourists or whatever, I would probably just be like, eh, I've seen it a million times. I've probably been to philly like 40 or 50 times in my life so i don't i just don't have the same uh love for for that kind of thing that i used to have i hear you well i've been zero times so i would eat as many cheesesteaks as i can when i get (laughs) so there you Uh, go jim let's talk about your day yesterday i know uh it was kind of like i would say compared to like a ferris bueller's day off you uh as a phillies fan you're able to catch some phillies uh opening day baseball even though it was on the road and then uh, the big thing right. last night was Villanova's buzzer-beating win over the North Carolina Tar Heels. What was that atmosphere like? Because you said you went to a, a restaurant right by your hotel and watched the Villanova game with all, you know, of course, a bunch of Villanova fans. But what what was it like last night being there after Villanova won the national championship? It was great. I mean, it, it was uh, the place I went to. Um, we, I went, we went to eat at a different spot, but then we came back to uh, – a place maybe a hundred feet from the hotel, and when the first time we walked by there, I noticed I saw there was over a ton of Villanova fans in there, so we thought that'd be a good spot to be. And um, yeah, they were just going crazy, as you can imagine. Um, at the end of the game, it was funny when there was about two or three minutes left in the game. I looked around and I could tell that everybody was like 
on the verge of just wanting to go go crazy and celebrate, but they knew there was still time left in the game. And then North Carolina made that incredible run. And then that three-pointer when they made that three to tie the game with like five seconds left, I looked around and everybody was quiet. And it was just one of those moments that remind you of, you know, times when you've been a fan of other teams and something, you know, just bizarre has happened that just kind of crushed you. And I felt that way after that NC shot went in, that off-balance three. Yeah. But then, um, you know, obviously right after that, they made the game winner, and it was just people were just going ballistic. I mean, as you would always expect when a team wins a national championship, but to do it in the way that they did where they, you know, scored at the buzzer. Somebody was saying that was the first time in like 30-something years where the national championship game was decided at the – at the horn. I know NC state did it at some point in the eighties. So, I mean, it was, it was really cool. Like you said, just to be here, it's probably the most memorable day I've had. This is my third year of traveling to every single Pelicans road game. That was probably the most memorable um, day I've had. Just the fact that I was able to watch the Phillies opening day, not in person, but on TV at a sports bar here and then be here for Villanova and Philadelphia people celebrating the national championship the same night and for them to do it the way they did it was it was great it was it was such a such a fun day overall for sure very cool very cool and i know you're just getting back from shoot around i believe you had a very happy dante cuttingham there don't you think yeah when we approached him to talk to him before i think i even said anything he just had this big smile on his face because he knew exactly what we were there to talk to him about there was a couple of philadelphia writers and reporters who were also there specifically to talk to Dante about Villanova and kind of get his reaction. So it was uh, it was pretty funny. I think something that he really enjoyed doing, as you would imagine, talking about, you know, one of the best things that's happened to him in, as, as far as his college program, you know, in, in many years. Yeah, talk about good timing there with being in Philadelphia when Villanova wins it all. And it was the last Final Four team was Dante's team back in 09. So very cool moment for sure. And, of course, you can catch that video on pelicans.com jim i'm sure he's also smiling because the team has won three of their last four games including a a nice win over the nets 106 to 87 on sunday what's been going well during the stretch for the pelicans what have you seen from them that's gotten them winning three of their last four i thought this has been the case for a good week week or two but in the brooklyn game specifically the ball movement really stood out. I thought they got so many easy baskets because of making extra passes. And obviously Tim Frazier had career-high 13 assists. He's done a good job moving the ball and making passes since he joined the team. And, like, immediately when he – the first game he played against Sacramento on March 16th, you could see that. But it just seems like it's kind of bled throughout the whole team. And you have – it just seems like the offense is coming so much more easily because – People are, are finding guys at the right time. Um, they had a lot of dunks and layups in that game. And also defensively, it seems like the intensity has picked up and they created a ton of turnovers. I think it was 21 against Brooklyn. Um, just been kind of a theme of, of a lot of these games. Even the recent game that they lost, the only one of the last four that they lost against San Antonio, I think they were really happy. The coaches were happy with the effort. And, you know, they missed some shots, but – they really had a chance to, to win that game, which was incredible under the circumstances of San Antonio has this long home winning streak, and they didn't fit anyone in that game other than David West. So 
it's been uh it's been impressive I'm, i mean i feel like the the uh obviously when you win i think you know people's attitudes improve and and things are looking up i, I just feel like there's a good uh vibe right now around the around these guys with the way that they've been playing lately Jim, I want to play devil's advocate for a minute just because I think a lot of people are saying that, oh, it's a small sample size with these guys. You're also playing teams that are below you in the standing, so how much can we really take? But prove me wrong. Why are these stretches by these players such a big deal? Well, I do I do think that I want to see – I'm glad that there's still six games left in the season because I do want to see more. I want to see more of uh, more evidence of what these guys can do and what they've done. But, I mean, one of the cases I would make is that um, they've won some games against teams that earlier in the season they lost to with more key players available and more at more full strength. Um, they lost to Denver at home early in the season, just beat them with this group of guys. They lost to the Knicks early in the season, just beat the Knicks. Um, they barely beat Brooklyn. They needed a game winner by Drew Holiday to beat them in New Orleans. And then this last game, Sunday, they routed the Nets. So... And then the Spurs game was a lot more competitive with this group of guys than it was the first time they played there. So, I mean, and I know there's a lot of different circumstances. Like, for example, Brooklyn shut down a couple of their best players for the recent game, and it's not exactly the same thing. But, I mean, just look at – if you look at the – I think that's the best case I could make is that you're seeing better results against the same teams that you you saw – than you saw earlier in the season. So, I mean, that's been been pretty – pretty nice but like i said i i'm i want to see more i mean i think that's one of the things over the last six games of the season that i'm the most interested to watch is to see if they can keep keeping this keep this uh performance up and also you know doing it against you know maybe some better competition even though there's not a lot of great teams left on the remaining schedule other than probably boston tomorrow yeah, I was about to say, uh, tonight really doesn't help as far as that argument, as far as teams are concerned, because you're playing a Sixers team that, you know, you talk about the Pelicans' road record. They have nine wins on the season. You think, man, that's that's not that great. But the Sixers have nine wins total all season mm. long, nine in 68. It just it seems like this, it's the same same story, different year, I guess, Jim, for the Philadelphia 76ers the last few. Yeah, it is. And, um, I mean, it, I think the Sixers are such an interesting case study right now for the whole thing about people always talk about you know you got to get bad to improve but I mean I I think it's funny that people say you know that they've been trying to be bad the last few years and this is actually the first year of the last three where they accomplished I don't know if that's the right word that they had to actually did have the worst record in the league so it's uh yeah I mean I can't imagine what it would be like, I mean, to go through three years in a row of winning, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the numbers are, but I think it's fewer than 20 games. And I think also that they might, I'm not sure if they've clinched this yet, but they might be on, they're probably going to have the worst record in NBA history over a three-year span. And it just seems like that has got to be so tough. Like, it's easy for people on the outside to say, like, oh, you know, you just lose a bunch of games, you just get a high draft pick every year, and then everything works, bam. But it's like to actually go through that on a daily basis, I can't imagine how excruciating that would be. I mean, the Pelicans are 29 and 47 right now, and this has been a really, really rough, painful year, as everyone knows. Can you imagine having 20 fewer wins than they have right now and having to go through the whole season? Like, to me, that that's just – I know everyone argues back and forth about the merits of doing what the Sixers have, have done, but, I mean – 
my God, I can't imagine just how how horrible that must be to to have to deal with that. And and honestly, too, it's not like next season. It's like, oh, okay, well, we're going to be good next year. No, I mean they're they're they think they're a ways away from being at that point. So as as tough as these last three years have been, it could be a while before there's a light at the end of the tunnel for them. And this can't be good for basketball, at least in my opinion. Don't do, do you think? I know there's teams that go through rough stretches, but I mean. I wouldn't say tanking, but the roster they've put together the last few years and then the results, I mean, you've been drafting young pieces, but one, you've also been trading them away and still you're not getting any better. This can't be good. Don't, do you agree? No, I, I totally agree. You know, before I go too harsh on the Sixers, which I'm probably about to do, <laughs> about to go on a rant, I will say that I think that the additions they've made where they added Mike D'Antoni to the Coaching staff and they added Colangelo to the executive office were really good moves, and I think those are things that are going to change the direction of the franchise. But I have two I have two big problems with with the Sixers, and maybe it's not just the Sixers, but it's also the mentality that people have um, about the way that they're they're doing things. One, I feel like the stigma of losing should never go away, but people have tried to make it to where it's okay to lose because it's like, well, that's part of the plan. Like to me, you should never, losing should always be embarrassing. Losing should always be, I'm not sure if disgraceful is the right term. That might be a little harsh. Yeah. But I feel like in the last couple of years, people in the NBA in general, but also specifically with the Sixers, have tried to be like, well, you know, it's okay if you lose. It's okay if you go 15 and 67 because it's all part of a grand process. And I think that's terrible. I think I, I think it's it's just once once you lose that that part of it where losing isn't is is okay and it's not that big of a deal. I feel like you lose you lose something there that's very intangible, but something that's very important. And the other part of it is just that. Um, I mean, it, is is it working? I guess is the big thing too. Is it really accomplishing what? what you're trying to do and i, I would say and no I feel right like now. it's just yeah yeah exactly so yeah it's and you know, the other part is the other part i lost my train of thought for a second there the other part i think about sometimes is like if they're successful like say the the method that they're using right now say next year they win 15 games again and then the next year after that all of a sudden somehow they're a championship contender do teams around the nba look at that and say Hey, we need to do that. We need to be bad for like three or four years in a row. Can you imagine an NBA where there there's eight to ten, maybe more than that, teams that are trying to do what the six or, or that do what the Sixers have done the last few years? To me, that's a terrible NBA. If like a third of the teams are basically saying we don't care if we win because it's better if we lose, like to me that would absolutely destroy the product. I think it's terrible to have one team in the NBA do what they've done, let alone if they actually were successful or become successful at this, doing things the way they've done. You know how the NBA is or all pro sports are where it's, it's a copycat thing. If, if they're successful, I'm concerned that there will be other teams that think that this is the way to go. So, I mean, to be brutally honest, that's one of the reasons why I'm not as bad as I feel for them in some ways, some of the people that work there and their players of how much of a struggle it's been to be brutally honest with you, I don't want to see them succeed because I feel like if they do, it'll be bad for the NBA. Good point there. Well said, Jim. Before I let you go, we've kind of gone a little long, but give me a, a brief kind of 
keys to tonight's game and maybe some players to watch out for on Philadelphia. I know there's not a lot right now, but you still have former Pelican-ish Smith. Um, what can we look out for in tonight's game? I mean, I really think the Pelicans just need to keep doing what they've been doing. I feel like if they move the ball, play intensely on defense, run, I feel like they'll be in good shape. Um, the Sixers are really not a good team on either end of the court, and they also have trouble scoring. So I feel like if the if the Pelicans can play a decent offensive game, which they've been able to do, even though as has been well documented, there's so many guys out of the lineup right now. If they can if they can score around 100 and they can you know play an efficient offensive game, I think they'll they'll probably be able to win. Um, realistically, as much as people always bring up how many guys they're injured for the Pelicans. I mean, the way they've been playing lately, they're they've, they're a pretty good team the last week or two. So um, really just look for more, try to do more of what they've been doing, and, and hopefully they'll be able to come away with a win. And the funny thing is, is if they win tonight, it'll be, their, it'll be a three-game winning streak, which is would be tied for the longest they've had all season. So it's pretty, uh, pretty interesting and, and, I guess, a credit to these guys the way they've been playing lately. No doubt about that. That's Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com here on the Black and Blue Report. Of course, you can uh, see all his work before the game and after the game on Pelicans.com and the Pelicans mobile app. Jim, get some rest and hopefully no more video surface of you partying last night in Philadelphia after Villanova's win. Thanks for the time. <laughs> the only video that would have surfaced of me partying last night would have been if Syracuse had continued its miracle run and won Saturday, which they didn't do against NC, obviously and then won again last night. Then I, I don't know what I would have done if Syracuse had won the whole thing after barely squeaking into the tournament. So, how about, how about so this? We're, we're good on that front. How about this? What if Syracuse women's upsets UConn tonight? Oh, hmm. You know, I'm just being honest here. I wish I could be politically correct and say that I've paid a ton of attention to Syracuse women bas- women's basketball. I have not. I know if they won tonight, it would be – a massive upset, probably. I don't know. Would it be the biggest upset in women's basketball history? Maybe could be with how insanely good Connecticut is. Yeah, I think it so. Has been. So I don't know. I'm not sure what I would do. I think I would just be shocked, like everyone else, if they they pulled off a a win. But honestly, if you're if you're a Syracuse women's basketball fan or just a fan of the program overall, athletic program like I am, it's amazing that they've done what they've done. I, I remember as a kid, the Syracuse women's basketball program was so, such a non-factor and something no one ever thought about. So, hey, for them to make it to the championship game, even though it's going to be a tall order for them to beat UConn tonight, I'm impressed and I give those guys props. What a what a great uh, turnaround they've done with that program for sure. All right, there you go. Jim, I can offer from Pelicans.com. and catch him on every Tuesday here on the show. And when we come back, we'll turn our attention to football. Mike New. Uh, former Saints quarterback coach, now current head coach at Ball State. We'll kind of check in with him next on the Black and Blue Report. Life is busy. You need health care that can keep up. At Auctioner, we get that. So we've made our care more schedule-friendly, like offering same-day appointments. Need a primary care physician, a pediatrician, an OBGYN? We'll get you in to see someone today. Many of our specialists are available the same day, too. And with health centers all over Greater New Orleans, there's bound to be one near you. Many are open late and on weekends for your urgent care needs. And if it's something serious, Auctioner has you covered with nationally ranked care for your most complex conditions. Want additional convenience? 
Now you can make appointments with many of our physicians on our website. And once you become an auctioner patient, you'll be able to do even more online, like email your doctors, see test results, and refill your prescriptions, all with a simple click. Make an appointment today at auctioner.org or call 866-AUCTIONER. Auctioner, healthcare with peace of mind. If you haven't experienced our new and improved Sideline Premier Seats, then you'll want to check them out. Offering the closeness to the action, but full vantage point of the court, it's a great opportunity to entertain clients, associates, and friends. Sideline Premier Seat ticket packages include parking, food and beverage credit, access to private clubs, and more. Call 504-525-HOOP or visit pelicans.com to learn more about these premium seating options today. Hardwood, hardball, and hard knocks. This is the Black and Blue Report. Welcome back to the show. Time now to catch up with an old friend on this Tuesday. He was the Saints quarterback coach till past two seasons and is now the head football coach at his alma mater, Ball State University. Mike New joins us now on the podcast. Mike, thanks for coming on and congratulations. Uh, thank you very much. I appreciate you having me on and I'm very excited. Mike, when you took the job in January, how easy of a decision was it knowing that you were going back to the place where you played your college ball? Bittersweet, because I'd been in New Orleans uh, for 13 years. My kids, I have three kids, 15, 13, and 5, and they'd basically been raised in Louisiana, and I was working with a great organization uh, with, you know, having worked with the Voodoo and, and, you know, obviously most recently with the Saints, the, the opportunity and the the way that my family and I were treated by Mr. Benson, um, you know, by Sean Payton, Mickey Loomis. I mean, what a great organization, which was why it was so difficult to leave because we were in a great place. And I'm one that believes that the grass is definitely not always greener on the other side. And it was much tougher to leave than I thought it would be. Um, and still my family's in New Orleans now trying to finish the school year. But uh, very bittersweet because I was working with a great organization with great people. But I am very excited to be back home and, and to be the head coach at my alma mater. Is it funny how it's come full circle since you started your coaching career as a GA there with Ball State and now you're the head coach 20-plus years later? You know, that's, it is. You know, I sit and think back and I reflect on it often, and I'm like, wow, how did that, you know, like you said, come full circle and – Certainly when I left college and after I finished my playing days and finished my degree, I certainly didn't think that I would uh, end up in coaching number one and, and to come back, you know, several years later and to be the head coach uh, at a place that I hold obviously very dear and and a lot of great uh, memories from this place uh, as a player and a lot of great friendships that, uh, you know, I were you know developed when I was here. Uh, but it's just it's great to be back and to reconnect with a lot of former uh, players, a lot of former teammates, former coaches, uh, just to get reacquainted with the town again, reacquainted with the university. I mean, it's like you said, it's been surreal. It's been exciting. There's been a lot that's happened uh, in the last two and a half, almost three months now. So uh, I am. I'm excited. I'm, I'm very excited that we finally got a chance to start spring practice and get to know the players uh, a little bit better. That kind of brings me to my next question. What has this offseason been like for you? You've been a college coach before with Tulane, but this is your first head coaching job at the collegiate level. What's these past few months been like for you just with the transition as being a head coach? It's been action-packed for sure. You know, the first part of it was finishing the 2016 recruiting class, getting a chance to go see all those kids, 
get a chance to meet their families, make sure they felt good about who they were turning their son over to. Uh, and then obviously once National Signing Day uh, happened, uh, trying to finalize a coaching staff uh, and having put all those guys in place now and having them um, you know, here now for the better part of a month and a half, uh, that was exciting to put us to build a staff and and to uh, you know go through the inter- interview process with those coaches and then getting a chance to get to know the players. You know I had a chance to see them and evaluate them during the winter uh, workout program. But now we've been on the field. We've finished six practices now, uh, and it's been exciting. You know it's, there's a lot of good and obviously things that uh, you know certainly areas to improve on. But I've been very excited about the buy-in. Uh, from the players and uh, the coaches have done a great job and you know every day I I come to work I know that I've hired uh, the right group of guys not only great coaches great recruiters but uh, great family men and it's been uh, it's been very exciting what are going to be some of the toughest challenges for you as a first-time head coach that maybe you didn't have to worry about so much when you were a position coach with the Saints or even when you were a head coach um, in the AFL, what are some of the challenges that maybe have been presented right now or you think might be a tough challenge down the road or even just in your first year as a head coach? Well, it, you know, obviously, first and foremost, the Mid-American Conference is a tough conference mm-hmm. from top to bottom. And really, any year, you know, anybody can beat anybody. But aside from the playing part of it, uh, I think the the one thing that's not really a challenge but would be different for me is dealing with this age group of young men. You know, here i am been around professional players and now you're dealing with a group of young men that are 18, 19, 20 years old. So there's things that take place away from the football field that, uh, you know, you have to deal with and help guys get through uh, challenges that take place. But, you know, they're they're here first and foremost as student-athletes. So you want to make sure that, you know, you're holding them accountable in the classroom for their performance. And if they're not taking care of business uh, in the classroom, then obviously they're not going to be able to uh, to play uh, on the field and be a part of that. So trying to emphasize that you know, the things that are important and laying the foundation here um, so that guys can, you know, leave Ball State with a, a degree, a championship, and to be a better man than when they came to us. Is there anything you can take away from interacting with professional players on a daily basis that you can kind of use with young guys? I know it might be apples and oranges as far as student-athletes and paid professionals at the NFL, but is there anything that kind of you can use um, that you learned with the Saints or just working with an NFL team that you can use with these young guys? Well, I think a lot of the guys, the the question they always ask uh, is, what's it like working with a guy like Drew Brees? Mm -hmm. And the one thing I try to share, um, you know, with all the guys that ask that question is, the guy, the way he prepares uh, and the way he practices, I mean, those are things that, you know, I try to share with our guys here that, hey, you've heard this saying since you were a kid, but you play the way you practice and you make sure if you come out and you practice full speed and you, you approach every rep in practice like it's a game rep, like a guy like Drew Brees does, then you, know, you hope it carries over to Saturday or Tuesday night when we play some of our games and, you know, you play the way you practice and, and, you got to be one of those guys that sticks to a routine. You know, you have to have a routine if you want to be consistent. Um, you got to build a routine, and you have to build good work habits. Uh, and that's something that uh, you need to start that uh, as soon as you get to college, and and uh, and build that routine and be consistent with it if you want to have success. And those are the things I try to share from a guy like Drew Brees. I, I you know, there's only one Drew Brees, but you try to, you know, share with. Um, you know, the guys, the kids in, in our program here, the kind of work habits that uh, a professional athlete like that has. And, and if you really want to be the best and have success playing the game of football, uh, building great habits is very important.
Was that your biggest or one of your biggest takeaways from working with Drew Brees the past two seasons was his work ethic? Was there anything else that you were able to maybe learn from Drew, not even just on the field but off the field, that maybe could help you as far as uh, relaying the messages to your kids? Well, I've never been around a guy that's as humble as Drew Brees is. And and to be a guy, uh, whoever's asked me, I've tried to tell him he is a great football player that has great work habits. He's a professional. He's a great leader. But he's a better man, and he's a better family man. Watching him as a father and uh, the way that he cares and the way he loves his family, and those are the things that, you know, when you sit back and, you, you know, for me, having been very fortunate to work with a guy like that and be around him for two years, man, he made me a better man because I try to, to be a better man uh, with my family and to be a better father and to be there always for my children and to make sure they know that family's always first and foremost. And, you know, he certainly is one of those guys I look at and uh, look up to. And, and uh, you know, he is a great player, but he is even a better man and, and uh, family man. And I've been very fortunate to be around him. And I hope to, to you know, spread that and try to share that story, uh, you know, with the, the kids in our program here. So when they go off after they finish their college degree, you can go make a difference in the world. Hopefully it's you know, a lot of the guys have aspirations to play beyond the college level, but go make a difference in the world and be a great family man and, and uh, you know, make a difference in our world. Well said, Mike, that's for sure. Um, before I let you go, um, what can you, what takeaways will you be able to use at Ball State with uh, dealing with Sean Payne as far as just being under him uh, for the past two seasons? And have you talked to Coach a little bit since joining Ball State? Has he given you any advice uh, about taking the job? Well, he's been fantastic. He said, you know, from the, the time I left New Orleans, that if there's anything I ever needed to make sure and reach out, and uh, and I have reached out and asked for some advice on, you know, whether it be practice or whether it be certain situations that come up throughout games. Uh, you know, being around a guy like Sean Payton, number one, he's the smartest guy uh, that I've ever had a chance to be around. And, you know, the way that he uh, puts a schedule in place and puts a calendar in place that, man, you know, I've, I've tried to take that same calendar that we had with the Saints and really convert it to the college football level, if you will, so that, you know, we're very detailed and we have everything covered because that's the one thing about Coach Payton that, and everything was covered. There was no stone left unturned. And his preparation and attention to detail and having uh, the football team uh, ready to play at the highest level week in, week out. Those are things that I was able to take away from him. And, you know, even though it's a different level and I'm dealing with college-age kids, certainly all those things uh, that I learned from him, I'll, you know, carry those on here uh, at Ball State. And if they apply and, and uh, fit our game, then certainly I plan to use that. That's Mike New, head football coach at Ball State University and former Saints quarterback coach. Mike's Cardinals opened up the season on September 10th against Indiana. Mike, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck to you in your first season. And we'll be rooting for you here in the Big Easy. Uh, I really appreciate you having me on, and I'm definitely going to miss New Orleans. All right, when we come back, we'll wrap things up on this Tuesday edition of the Black and Blue Report. The magic of voodoo barbecue. It's people, passion, and pure enjoyment. Seasoned with Louisiana's best. It's a celebration every day. A fusion of Creole, Cajun, and Caribbean. It's the soul, the sound, the taste of barbecue New Orleans style. Voodoo Barbecue. Pass by your neighborhood Voodoo Barbecue today. For fast relief coffee. 
Summer is coming and Keeps Air Conditioning and Heating is ready to serve you. Keeps offers a 25-point precision AC tune-up for only $119. Get your AC ready for the real heat that's coming. And as always, call Keeps and we'll get you cool in three hours or less, guaranteed. Keeps Air Conditioning and Heating. For fast relief, call Keeps. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Time to wrap things up here from Studio B. Big thanks to Jim Eikenhofer from Pelicans.com and Mike New, former Saints QB coach, now head football coach at Ball State. Pelicans and Sixers tonight at the Wells Fargo Center, 6 o'clock Central, 5.30. I'll have Pelicans warm up for you on 99.5 WRNO. And, uh, Joel Myers, David Wesley, and Jen Hale will have coverage for you on Fox Sports New Orleans starting at 5.30 with Pelicans Live. We have a nice treat for you tomorrow. Not only is it a Wesley Wednesday with David Wesley, but Danny Ainge, president of basketball operations for the Boston Celtics, will be on. Talk a little bit about the Celtics as they uh, clinched a playoff spot earlier this week. So we'll talk to him tomorrow. And, of course, David from Boston where the Pelicans will take on the Celtics at 6.30 tomorrow to end their last I guess big road trip of the season the last multi-game road trip of the season they have one more road game after tomorrow that'll be the season finale up in Minnesota against the Timberwolves on April 13th all right so hope you enjoyed today's show we'll talk to you tomorrow on the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans the Black and Blue Report all right until tomorrow I'm Daniel Salerson have a great rest of your Tuesday Thanks for listening to this edition of the Black and Blue Report. If all goes well, we'll be back tomorrow. Tune in each weekday at 12 p.m. or at your convenience exclusively online at NewOrleansSaints.com and Pelicans.com. Follow your teams direct from the source, the Black and Blue Report.